Welcome to the Data Driven Security Podcast, episode number 17. My name is Jay Jacobs, and joining me is Bob Rudis, and we are just going to continue on our discussion uh, from episode 16, where we had Lane Harrison, and we're talking about the visualizations within the Verizon Data Breach Report. I'm dying to hear what he thinks on 13. Oh, 13, oh. yeah, so I have that one up now. Uh, so 13, uh, this one's a little bit complex, of course. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so I, I'm revisiting this one, too. So the CVSS base score, we're looking at across the row here, and there's a distribution, so it's kind of normal-ish on the top, and it's kind of skewed on the bottom, too. I'm, that that takeaway is correct, right? Uh, in which which parts are you looking at, the CVSS so figure, stuff? Yeah, figure 13. I'm, I'm tackling the easiest one first on the right okay. side. Yep. Oh, so, right. Yep. Yeah, so the distributions of the base scores. Yeah. And then we have all CVEs and just exploited and critical. So all is the entire thing, and that makes sense to be, you know, normal right. distribution. So just exploited, just the ones that were exploited, 792. And then critical, so, yeah. I want to okay. dive into this because this is yeah. one of the more fun things that I was able to work on and create. So we've got... So like when CVEs, someone filing a CVE may not mean anything, right? And so a CVE is the common vulnerability enumeration for those who don't know. And, and when a vulnerability is found, you, a CVE may be created for it. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that a patch is available or anything like that, but a CVE may be a trigger for companies to look at something and patch something. Right, Bob? Mm -hmm. Yep. So essentially this is what companies look at is all CVEs. And when they look at this, you can see the distribution of the CVSS base score uh, between 1 and 10, right? And then you've got the impact rating that's in the CVE and the exploitability in the CVE. And these, these are not distributed evenly, which I think is the, the big thing here. So, like, if you look at um, what the none, the authentication none in the CVSS base score, it's that green line, the really mm -hmm. tall green box. Like that, that is not an indicator to anyone on how exploitable something is, right? It's a tall green line across all three of these and nothing changes. So like if you're trying to decide what to patch and that's what this whole thing is trying to drive. What do I, what should I focus on patching? What are the things that I care about? And if you look at like the exploitability, that whole left bar section, it's almost identical between all CVEs, the things that were just exploited and then the really critical ones that were exploited within one month of publication in 2014. I mean, there's almost no change. So, like, if you wanted to look, if a CVE comes up and you say, hey, it's a, a network access vector, it's, uh, you know, a low complexity and it's an authentication of none, that means nothing, right? There is nothing you can draw from that that says, do I patch it or not? So that should not factor into the priority and, you know, right. the decision that you make. Oh, that's a really great finding. And then, you know, we look at the impact, and we do see some differences if we get down to that critical, right? Mm -hmm. 
but I don't know how much of an indicator that's going to be because out of the 67,000, there's probably several thousand that, that fall into this sort of, you know, um, complete confidentiality, complete integrity, complete availability that, that are high in the bottom one. So it's really hard to try and pick that out. Um, but still, I mean, we're trying to show the CVSS stuff and, and how you might be able to use to, to prioritize this stuff. And I mean, what this is basically showing is that there's not a whole lot of differences, except for maybe that bottom critical one on the, on the impact, uh, for the differences. Right, Bob? Did you see something different on that? I, I, I I'm, did I I'm, catch you off guard? Were you totally no, daydreaming? Were you like no? I no. I'm I'm trying to be. I'm I'm. So whenever I hesitate, it's either because I'm really distracted or I'm trying to be nice instead of my usual self. And you're trying to be nice. <laughs> and I'm really trying to be nice right okay. now. Um, we don't have to get into it, but yeah. No, I I I think I would just point to the fact that this this thing stumped even the the best vulnerability person both on our team and one of the best ones in the industry, Mark Spittler, um, oh, when he first tried to dissect what it actually was trying to mean. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, and, this, this is surprising. It's a grid of bar charts, right? We all right. understand bar charts, right? <laughs> exactly. Hopefully. I <laughs> mean, I, I actually, I, I sort of wish that we had an audio button on the PDF that, so you could have just explained what the graphic was, Jake. That, that would have been great. Yeah. This is a good candidate for an interactive then, right? So you kind yeah. of tell the story about how a person you know, can interpret this chart, and it looks like you can get a lot of really interesting stuff out of this. I mean, prioritizing what to fix, that sounds like a, a very you know, important thing, right? And if right. people, I mean, you're essentially telling people that their magic formula for you know, determining what they patch is is bunk, right? It doesn't make a difference. You know, looking at this aggregated data, which is amazing, right? That's that's a really great finding. You don't waste your time on this. You probably just save someone, you know, a a lot of uh, man hours. Right. So that's uh that's really great. Yeah. Now, if you could only turn it around and tell them what to pay attention to, that would be that right. would be better. So. Well, that was the challenge, right? And I don't I don't think we we were really successful in that. So. Gotcha. Well, the data is here. Um, I, I like to be encouraging, especially because this is a, a simple enough visual form that you know most people should be able to interpret it. But it seems like you know we were talking about somehow we have to guide a person through the narrative of, of how to read these charts, how to think about the charts, and then maybe they can you know follow that path to to infer their own thing. But thirteen is cool, and this was made using R. I'm guessing. Actually, all all of the charts were made using R. Gotcha. And you're muted, Jay. Yes, thank you. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're all made with R. All made with R. Wow, you guys have you have the skill. Um, um, well, actually, wait. Just as an aside on that one, too. One more aside, some inside baseball for folks. So, the the core charts um, are are all R R whatever. The core charts were made with R. The they get they actually get put into PDF format, and then the the graphics team that we work with. Brings them into Illustrator and does some additional, sometimes magic, right. sometimes dark magic uh, on them, and um, so they're so they're they are edited a little bit afterwards. But I I'll, even like 538's graphics are done that way too, for that matter. So there's there's a lot of ones that are done that way, but the the core components are actually in the base structure comes out of R, and a few a few are just all the same pretty much, except for some color stuff that 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 they mm -hmm. adjusted afterwards. Yeah. So. I feel like that's a really great workflow. I mean, we follow that with the PDFs that we generate for scientific papers. We make them in R, and then we hand them off to somebody that has some design chops. They open it up in Illustrator or whatever, and they make it look beautiful, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of designing these. Yeah. So I skipped ahead a few uh, yeah. to a really interesting chart, number 19. 
you guys already know what 19 is. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, so bubble chart, scatterplot? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> a it's bubble a... chart, scatterplot. Cluster diagram, yeah. Yeah, cluster diagram. So uh, so walk me through this. So this is a cluster diagram. So the point is to show clusters. Um, are you doing some sort of, uh, you know, multidimensional scaling or something like that? High-dimensional to... Yeah, precisely. Yep. Okay, so MDS, and uh, what does this uh, high-dimensional space look like? And then we'll explain for <laughs> listeners uh, what all of that means. <laughs> so um, essentially what, what this is is uh, the, the, if you imagine the, the matrix that you start with to do an MDS, right, for each row, each row is these three-digit codes, and these are industry codes. So like if you look at the 522 in the upper right, that big green dot, that is 5-2, first 5-2 is financial institutions, then 5-2-2 is commercial banks. And mm -hmm. so what we did is we're trying to look at, you know, the, the figure that we'll look at in a bit, figure 29, where we're looking at the high-level industries and how the patterns break out. Um, this is looking at one layer deeper. And so like 5-2-2, for example, how similar, and what we did is we took one row for 5-2-2, and all of the attributes that we try to collect for breaches across the columns and there's, man, there's probably what, like, well, in the total final data set, we've got like 1,700 columns or something like that. But in this one, I scaled it down to the ones that matter. Um, and I did that just because a lot, because it's a very sparse matrix. And so mm -hmm. a lot of those columns will be just plain empty in some of these data sets. And so got okay. it down to probably 200 columns or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, th I think it was closer to 300, yeah. 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 And so, and, and the value in there is what proportion of the bre breaches or I think incidents, these are across... Uh, incidents. Yep. Um, what proportion of the incidents occurred within this particular variable? So I always talk about like SQL injection, for example. Within commercial banks, what proportion of incidents contain SQL injection? Hmm. And so that's what the matrix is that I start with before I do the MDS. Wow, that's super interesting. So you have your simil similarity matrix. Um, you filtered some some really high level dimensions by yourself. Yeah. Uh, which which we could dig into that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I didn't I mean, you know if you're talking about going to like um, oh, I just totally scatterbrained on the idea on the technique. The um, what's the technique where you do the dimension reduction? The PCA doing yeah, the PCA. PCA yeah right doing PCA. I didn't have to do that because some of these columns were just simply all zeros. Yeah, yeah like there was no like it was just saying hey filter out all the columns where there's zero or less than five across all of these all of these entries right right so I think I had like five or ten or something just filtered out anything that was just tiny because it's not going to affect the distance right so that's why I got down to the 200 or 300 columns and whatever it was so 200 300 columns I mean wouldn't it be really interesting to know which columns specifically kind of led to the groupings um, uh, so which dimensions actually matter uh, yeah. And you know this is taking a, a left turn into the research side, uh, but here at, at Tufts we actually looked at this problem, and we came up with a, a tool called Disfunction, um, which is operating on distance functions itself, uh, where if you have some inside knowledge about you know two things should be similar, you can kind of drag them together and say, oh, you know the the MDS kind of put these far apart, but they should be more similar, and I know that because I have some sort of tacit knowledge about the, the field and industry. And you put those together, and it's really interesting that you can rerun an algorithm to figure out which dimensions would lead to these being more similar. And then if you do this enough over time, you come up with a new set of dimensions that are the ones that actually matter, um, which is, 
that, that's that's visual analytics in a nutshell that you are combining the human with the algorithm uh, to come up with a better result, a better distance function. Uh, and then you can use that for classifying or whatever you might use a distance function for. Uh, but I've, I found this, you know, this analysis is really interesting. Uh, you do seem like you have some some clustering going on. So that's, uh, right. <laughs> you know, you could have done this and everything could have been on top of each other, which right. would not be as interesting. Yeah. And so like the 722 in the top there in the middle, you know, we've got 722 is, um, do you remember, Bob? It's a it, it's a It's accommodation, food services, and drinking places. Okay, so it's it's food services. And then you've got four fours in there, which are retail places, right? And so mm. what we're seeing is this sort of clustering around point-of-sale attacks where they're going after the, the card data, the payment cards, things like that. And then banks are off to the side, and then you get this sort of the origin in the MDS, which I think has some significance, right? It's it's right around like that 921, right in that sort of center area. And then the things going far off to the left, all these sort of scattered and, and spread out things, a lot of that is related to uh, espionage, state-affiliated espionage going after intellectual property. So like 928 is uh, something in the public sector and governments. 486 is uh, transportation. I think a lot of that was in pipeline transportation. Pipeline, that's pipeline, yeah. And uh, 211, 213, those are utilities, going after utilities, infrastructure, that kind of thing. Actually, like two, 211 is mining, Jay. Oh, is it? And okay. 213 is also mining. They're both mining. Okay. Oh, and wow. then, like, the 33 is manufacturing. Uh, so you see some manufacturing starting to spread out there. But a lot of that is state-affiliated espionage going after intellectual property. So the fact that they're, they're really different than the big clusters that we have around, around the origin, around the retail and the commercial banks and stuff. So that's what we're seeing that spread going out there, and I think that's pretty interesting as well. That is super interesting. So if you have something new that happens, maybe you could use this to kind of classify and, and see what it's close to and, and kind of yeah. move forward. But uh, what's also interesting about this, I, I think you guys made an interactive of this, right? Yes. Bob, you want to talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so we um, and I, I I put a link in chat. Cause I I know you've already seen it, Lane, and we'll we'll put it and we've tweeted it a couple times, but it didn't make it to a URL, um, for a whole host of reasons. Let's we won't go into that, and into the actual report itself. But uh, so we actually took the same data that that this that generated for, and then decided, hey, I think it would be cool or more useful or more interesting if folks had the ability to kind of work with the data to a little bit and you know we we had some internal discussions about whether it would be a freeform exploration with like zooming in and all kinds of stuff like a Google Maps sort of thing or would it be more limited and directed and, and we I think we settled on you know like well obviously we settled on for folks that have seen it and folks that will see it a more directed approach with a little bit of a limited interaction but giving a little more information about what was actually contained you know in the thing so that folks would actually look at it more so we we actually came up with a D3 viz that that gave some Basic stories, but also let folks kind of hover around and kind of see where things kind of span out. And did had, did you get a chance to play with that much at all, Lane? Uh, yeah, so I have it up right now, and uh, it, it, this is kind of what I've been you know harping on in the report, right? You want to tell those stories that you guys have you've worked with the data, you have these really interesting stories about the data, and uh, now you can tell them just through this really simple you know interactive visualization. And then afterwards, you can start to build your own story, which is, that's, to me, the most interesting thing. I mean, I would maybe add a, a few more jumping off points so that, you know, people can drive down into the details if they really have some hypothesis that they want to follow uh, so that they can find these things, you know, about espionage. Um, but in general, I mean, I would love to see a report where you have a few more of these, right, and you could actually jump off into the interactive from the report. 
that's yeah. I think that's a really great way to go. Um, you know, I, I feel like your uh, your your readers would be really interested in that, and they would be able to get into the data themselves, which is which is great. Yeah. We, Unfortunately, we couldn't get the interactive out in time to have the PDF printed, so we didn't even have right. a URL or anything we could right. put in there. So. Gotcha. But, 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 but next year, we'll definitely have the China button, Jay. The what? The China button for the drill down. I'm just, I'm just being silly. Okay. You just highlight everything. <laughs> um, so I've moved forward to the uh, impact section. So... Um, there, there are several interesting charts here. Uh, are there any in particular that you want me to, to cover? Because um, you, you go through several different metaphors here. We have the scatter plot that's showing trends over time. Uh, you have figure 21, a scatter plot that's kind of showing uh, several different, you know, uh, estimates and uh, uh, I guess what would you call these prediction models? And right. Yeah. So actually, figure 21 is something that I've struggled with because what what we found, like when when media is covering this type of thing, that they and people are just not quite getting the message that's here, right? And if you you know looking at Figure 21, the blue line is from the model that I created, trying to describe the relationship between the the X here, the records lost, and the the payout in the in the claim information. And that blue line is the model I created. And then if we look at the two other models that exist, one is uh, from Ponemon's cost per record, uh, cost of a data breach, where he has $201 per record, that's a green line. And then the other one is the red line, where I took his approach, that cost per record approach, and, and applied it to this data, right? And, and it comes out to $0.58 cents per record as opposed to $201, which, which is a, a, a statement in absurdity, right, that these two figures are so far apart. And yep. figure 20 is trying to show why those two figures are so far apart. But um, and and people still walk away like, should we believe the two hundred and one dollar per record as opposed to Verizon, you know, coming up with crazy math stuff? And like, like Figure Twenty One, I just want to say like, look at this chart. Look, mm -hmm. like what what else do we say? You know, what else? Where else do we take that? Look, I mean, like, does it describe it? You know, but I don't think I don't think that hits home. I don't I don't think that people can intuitively look at this and say. These are bad. Now, I don't know why, because I, you know, I, I know exactly what's going on here. So I don't know. Can you guys see that at all? Yeah, so for me, I mean, just looking at this at, at a super high level and not being super well-versed in the data, you know, I see the uh, you're trying to make the point about $0.58 cents with the, the red model, um, mm -hmm. or your cost per record of $0.58. Cents. Um, but then I see one that appears to be a better fit, which is the, the blue one. And so I'm trying to reconcile in my head, like, is there something up with the 58 cents, or right. a, a, a how should that how should that be interpreted? So right. I, I get that the green one, you know, does not fit the data well, uh, but it also seems like the red one doesn't fit the data well. Right. And, and that that's the, the point. yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. No. No. And and you're right. But I think one of the things that was one of the so you know to your point earlier, Lane, how we we really did try to use the callouts in each page to. Right highlight the salient points on there the the fact that and I think we lost this battle um, for, I, I, I yeah. think you know it's our fault so like I, I mean it's actually ultimately my fault so I take full responsibility for all the crap but um, the uh, the reality is I think we lost the, the battle here and we probably should have made that call out focus more on the more accurate estimate using our improved model versus right. 
throw the because because everybody read fifty eight cents. It's bold red. It's cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's very symmetric. So they they didn't read after that, and they just took that and ran with it. And yeah, yeah. that's that that's been that that was the unfortunate. And thing I think there. I think that the, this is one I talked about earlier where they they did the call out here. And I think the initial version that we started sending out to the media for people doing pre, pre-briefs and stuff like that didn't have the comma, however, this is a very poor estimate part of that call-out. Right. right. And so some of these headlines came out saying, Verizon says it's 58 cents per record, which is, of course, not the point of the article, this section at all. Yeah. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult. Yeah, and, you know, this is this highlights a broader issue in, you know, d- designing visualizations like these. And it's, it's do you state the point, you know, or how do you get to the point that you actually want to make that people will take home? And will they discover on their own? And which one is more trustworthy? And uh, which one is more persuasive? Uh, and, and when are things deceptive? I mean, these are all questions that we're trying to answer, and eventually we can come up with guidelines, but until then, you guys are on your own. Right. <laughs> you have to figure this out by trial and error yourselves, and then we end up studying, you know, maybe using this sort of thing as a case study. Um, so, so this is super interesting, but so, kudos for, for going, you know, deep into the model here and uh, having, yeah. having charts and data to back it up. Oh, yeah, I mean, and, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Jay. I was just going to say the first iteration of writing this got hacked apart because it was I went way into far in the model and uh, no and like no but but, no but like but don't laugh about that Jamie I mean, the reality is is we that this was so like like earlier like when when we talked about using the cumulative you know probability yeah, this is another one where it's like you know people don't generally use scatter plots in their daily work in infosec at all like they just don't right. mean they they should but but they don't mm-hmm. and and that that on top of the fact that this was there was a, a lot. I mean, we there would have been a lot of cat figures in this one if we actually like you know subscribed to the Hillary Mason rule about doing things. And mm-hmm. and the reality is is that this this was a multiple this the, like there I think um, there was a, a bunch of eyes on this, but Wade Wade I and J were the primary ones, but there was a, a couple others with with Mark and and Dave do, doing a couple things too. And we really, I mean, this was this was hard. We we agonized for weeks over this one, um, just to try to come up with it, to be as salient as it possibly could. And we, and 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 I'm using criticism in the actual correct term, like we're asking you to, to hear, like you know, with this isn't a it sucks thing. It's a here's here's a critical thing about this. And we've actually gotten criti- you know, good criticism about how statsy the report was. And this is one of the reasons why this particular section. Yeah. And 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 we really did try to make it more accessible than it might otherwise have been. So hopefully folks realize that. But we've got we've had that that criticism on both ends. We've had oh well you you went halfway. Why didn't you give me all this other stats related detail? I'm like that's not because it's not a research paper. And right. it's like wow you threw the stats in there and I don't understand it. Well yeah I'm, I'm sorry because we just did so yeah. Right. So it, it it was a yet, yet another big risk that that we took doing this particular one too. So if if I could take a, a takeaway from what you said previously, and if we could put some annotation on this particular one, Figure 21, could we put like uh, arrows to like the green and the red line with bad and then uh, one to the blue line saying good would that be uh not know? not uh, yeah so so that except i would probably go a little bit more in depth so give a sentence for each of them so the person actually has something to think about right if you just say bad and good um, they would wonder why and, and for that sort of thing but in, in general i think annotating these charts directly to to tell people how to read them and how to look at it is definitely a good way to go and bob what you're just talking about like how much you know detail to get into and, and jay you struggle with this too I mean, that's that's incredibly difficult, and it's such a complex problem because it depends on who the reader is and what their background is and, you know, what, what their goals of reading this section are. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to figure out 
and we don't know how to do it. Uh, we don't know whether we hide the data or make it even available at all and, and what effect that has. So um, yeah. keep, keep trying stuff. Yeah. All right, figure 22. Now, this is something Bob mocked me for. I did not. Bit. Wait, it was not a mock. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful sailboat, Jay. All right. A beautiful sailboat. But you're representing, uh, you know, uh, the 95% confidence intervals, right? So this right. is one of the, the few charts, I think, that actually show some uncertainty. Yeah. Is that true? Is this the yeah, only absolutely. chart that shows uncertainty? Well, this, this, no, we've got a t the next table has a lot of uncertainty trying okay. to capture in it. But the, um, the, the, the challenge here, or the two things I wanted to communicate, one, as you mentioned, is the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. right? The other thing is just the nonlinear relationship between mm -hmm. these two variables. Right. When you have a, a small breach, the costs shoot up dramatically, right? And that's that, that it's almost vertical as that line starts out. And then as it goes out further, it sort of starts to level off and the uncertainty grows. That gray area grows as the as the breach gets bigger. I think you just like you you should blow this figure up and take those two annotations that you just said yeah. <laughs> verbally and put those on the chart. That's a great story and it gives the purpose of the chart. And, and why you're showing uncertainty explicitly here. Um, I, you know, I think that's really great, and uh, it, it's, it's uh, really interesting that you're you know, explicitly showing uncertainty, um, which is a, a perennial topic in the visualization community, how to do that effectively, how people think about it. Uh, there's a very interesting paper in a recent year that has a very catchy title. It's uh, Error Bars Are Considered Harmful. Uh, from Michael Correll at uh, University of Wisconsin. So actually showing error bars can, uh, you know, lead people, you know, in, in the, the wrong interpretation of uncertainty. And he kind of explores ways of, you know, maybe doing that better, um, right. which is super interesting. You would think it's always good to show uncertainty, and it always helps. But, right. uh, it, yeah. No, <laughs> I've, I've had to explain confidence intervals on two different occasions uh, oh, in no. depth and in very awkward circumstances. Uh, Literally like 15 minute, you know, yeah. say, you know, side conversation about what a confidence interval is. And both yeah. unsuccessfully. No, um, anyway. <laughs> I, I actually believe that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you explain the confidence interval and the difference between that and standard error of the mean and all these other measures that you can use for uncertainty? Right. Sometimes interchangeably. You know, you can go through one paper and see, you know, several different ways of representing them, so... And, and how did you ca calculate the confidence intervals? It looks like these aren't symmetric, so you're using uh, some non-parametric methods here. So um, kudos for that, too. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so let's that's keep the rolling. Nicest thing, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said about this section, Jay. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive. I felt like I, you know, I kind of laid in early on, so... No, not at all. No, we, we actually wanted that. That's why we had yeah. you on. We were hoping that you would smack us pretty good, so... Yeah. Gently tapping. Uh, oh, I, which one do we want to tackle next? Because we have a, a theme river graph down here, figure 27, um, that, that should be talked about. Uh, oh, definitely then, please. <laughs> it's it's the ray gun chart from what one of our, what Suzanne on our team yeah. like calls it. It's yeah. the ray gun chart. Because she took a picture of a ray gun and put it over on the left side. Oh, and yeah. this is a, a picture that shows uh, the total vet, total quantity of breaches and the patterns that they fell into. And it starts out very small because we had very little data back in 2006. And then it waves and grows to 2014 where it's the biggest. Just put a ray gun essentially shooting out this ray 
coming oh. out of it. And so I think yeah. it's, it's, a, it's just so this uh, the you know theme river is an interesting way of representing data over time. Uh, it's relatively new, uh, and uh, we we still don't understand it that well. Uh, but it's a you know, it, one of the problems with theme rivers. So let's get into that. Um, yes. Is you know you're you're changing the uh, the y-axis here a lot, um, and sometimes it's very difficult to to figure out future trends um, because everything's stacked on top of each other, and that kind of you know changes the direction of the lines or you know where you think things are going to go in the future. Yeah. Um, so. It, in contrast to a line chart, which you know, I would suspect—I don't know if anybody's tested this explicitly—that people are pretty good about kind of inferring, you know, where things are going to go in the future. Um, with something like a theme river, I, I really don't think <laughs> it's going to go well. Because uh, to take, for instance, Figure 27 towards the bottom at the very end, so 2014, you have this uh, this this little sliver of you know green and then a larger sliver of blue and then a tiny sliver of green again and that sliver of green you know kind of worries me because it's pointed up uh, and whenever things are pointed up you know I always think like oh that's going to be bigger in the future that's what this means because it, you interpret it as a line for Going some up, reason yeah. yeah and and that's not true it just seems like it's holding constant over time so yeah. it's yeah. one of the dangers of a theme river is that you know there's weird shapes here and people you know interpret shapes in weird ways so yeah actually and and and, and just to add to, to that the uh, figure 26 one of the best maybe best worst screen from from in terms of a criticism I mean it's, it was a good criticism it just kind of hurt a little bit uh, that they actually thought it was oh that's like that's like a geology chart so the further down you go the, then they couldn't figure out what that meant going further down, but they thought that looked like it was lava layers layering rock down on like versus actually being a stream thing. So, so there, yeah. there is, there is. I think these work better interactively if they work better at all, and they may have been just bad choices on our part to actually put in here in the, in the long. Run. Yeah. So interactively, that's that's super interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, I feel like these somehow perform well with animated transitions. Like if you need to look at the same data in different ways. And one of the interesting things about a, a theme river here is that you could discretize the years and turn them into stack graphs if you yep. want to look at it that way, and you could then turn that into a cluster graph if you want to look at it that way. So it's pretty easy to do with you know some of these modern toolkits. So yeah, the, yeah, the actual yeah. stream graph like it, so so not 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 to pimp my package any more than we have to in this podcast, but the stream graph one actually lets you do do exactly that too. So yeah, hey, that's good. We're on the same page with that one. But overall, I mean, these are really engaging for people too. So I, 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 my eye was drawn to it. So that's another plus. And you get to shoot aliens with figure 27 too, so that's even better. That's true, and it's got a nice spread, so I would definitely pick that weapon. <laughs> Sorry. Also a gamer, so. Um, so... I guess uh, we're good on stream graphs and, and theme rivers, but moving to uh, 28 and 29, this is this is telling an interesting story too. Um, we have a, a heat map. Uh, do you want to talk about this one, Jay? Sure. Yeah. This is this is actually so. This is a continuation of a graph from last year. It was Figure 19 last year. It's Figure 29 this year. Where essentially, you know, the first thing that we have to talk about is these patterns across the top, right? because these patterns were deduced uh, through clustering methods, uh, hierarchical clustering. Again, we tried to look at the, the critical elements of these breaches, and then we, we broke those out to say, within, say, a breach with SQL injection, how much uh, external actor with a motive of uh, financial gain 
did they have within that particular thing. So we did this crazy thing and we essentially developed and discovered these patterns across the top. And so, you know, there's a, a clear theme around point of sale, uh, the insider misuse, the web applications. So very clear patterns across the top. But the really interesting thing is how these break out across the industries, right? And again, we're looking at a very high level industry here going down the right. But you can see, you know, the current, most of the current security practice is, you know, ISO, COVID, uh, NIST, CSF now. And they, they all say everybody should, right? Everybody should do these. Here's a top 20 list, you know, SANS top 20. Here's everybody should do these things. Now looking at figure 29 here, just looking at the colors, there is not one thing that everybody should focus on first, right? Right. Now we might argue through some basic things everybody should focus on, but I mean, if we look at this, how to prioritize, you know, someone in accommodation, a, a hotel chain might want to focus completely different on completely different things for security than, than a bank, than uh, a professional services organization, uh, than, than a government organization. That these are all going to be relatively different with different sets of priorities and different things that they should be targeting from a defensive standpoint. And that's what this is trying to show. Now the other interesting thing here is the, the two things. The heat map, the colors themselves again are based on the row. So if you want to look across an industry, you want to see where the eye goes with a darker color. Mm -hmm. And uh, we didn't make the darker color really dark because we've got these bar charts in there. And the bar charts are trying to show what, what that data looked like over the last three years. So accommodation, for example, really heavy over the last three years are on point of sale. Gotcha. And, uh, and so on and so forth. And so that's what the bar charts are there trying to represent. So there's lots of data in here with all these sort of different, the bar charts trying to convey more information and things like that. So that's what this whole thing is trying to show. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> wow. Uh, so my, my thoughts on this one, it, with your interpretation here, it was very easy to, to get the takeaways. Again, on our point about annotating this, uh, how to read these, you know, just that one point about Person A might want to focus on something completely different than person B. Now I know how to read this chart, um, and I could, you know, uh, look at financial services and say, oh, this is, you know, about prioritizing. Um, I mean, I wonder if uh, there there could be a headline on this too. You just, you know, what's the person reading wanting to know from this, and they're wanting to know how they prioritize. So that's super uh, a good way to go. Um, you know, uh, one of the interesting design decisions is the use of the bar charts in the back to show trends. I mean, typically we talk about trends in terms of line charts and, uh, you know, maybe even spark lines and that sort of thing. But what's what's interesting is that, you know, you've got the, the percentages here, and I suspect if you use the, the line charts, you would, you know, probably be uh, kind of covering up some of the data. So it's a good to use bar charts here, too. Um, but yeah. Beyond that, so I, I, I would be interested to know, I mean, one thing that, that jumps out, it might be a candidate for annotation, is denial of service, which is completely empty. Is that in the text? Right. Do you talk about why? <laughs> no, we don't. And this is like, Bob, I don't know about you, but I think it's like, oh, man, why don't we think of that, you know? But uh, what this is looking at is confirmed data loss events, right, confirmed breaches. And denial of service does not have data loss typically associated with it. And we created this filter, and, you know, I mean, this this is all code. So I could, you know, run this code with this filter or that filter for, you know, for things with hacking, things with social, whatever it is, you know, put filters on. So we created this filter, and we thought, boy, this looks really good. And if, as I'm looking at this, 
you know, as I created this, I'm like, oh, denial of service is blank. Well, of course it is because of the filter. And then I just went on with life, you know. And then all of a sudden it's publishing and people are like, why is denial of service blank? I'm like, oh, geez, that's totally blank. You know, we should either take it out yep. or fill it in, you know, and, and describe that denial of service is in there even though it wasn't a data loss event. You know, but it was it was totally just an oversight and just the, the crunch time at, at the time this is being published. You know, these are what, 12, 16-hour days, you know, straight through seven days a week for three months. and, oh. and uh, I, I mean, but, but, but at the same time, you say it's totally blank, yet financial services has a blip. Yeah, they do. Because I know, they, yeah. They, yeah. They, because, so, there. So, so, yeah. so actually, I think that's, and that's actually kind of – and I think that's kind of cool in the long run, actually. Yep, okay. You just show part of it there, and it's just noticeable, which is which yeah. is really interesting, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just a little bit of data there. So it, it tells me, you know, it, from a, a perceptual standpoint, that you're using a very fine, you know, level of bar here. So right. <laughs> at least know something's there. Yeah, and that's interesting because that, that probably is Dirt Jumper, and that yeah. this is a method. And we actually didn't hear much about it uh, this year. We heard more about it last year, which is funny. Cause which is which is why it blips in the middle year. Yeah, exactly. But it was a, a denial of service technique where attackers would try to run a denial of service against a bank in order to distract the people so that they could try and, and run other attacks, right? And that's what that's the main purpose of Dirt Jumper, I think. So. I feel like you can do an extended version of this report just with all those little tidbits in there, like yeah. your own annotations. That's... The, direct, the, the director's cut. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> no, that's a, it's super interesting. I mean, that's that's what people want to hear, right? To, to kind of put these in context, and it it probably makes the data more trustworthy to say, okay, this event happened here, right? So yeah. now I'm really going to believe, you know, it's represented the data. I remember that event. And uh, it, it's represented here, so I kind of have a framework, uh, a perspective um, with which to understand the rest of the data. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Well, uh, actually, but, but before we go to the next one, the one thing we didn't mention on Figure 19 that I actually wrote a note down on my little note here, and I just glanced at it, and I should have looked at it earlier. Um, we actually broke with the mold on Figure 19. We actually used one of the um, the D320 color palette um, for that yeah. one versus the tertiary palette because we just couldn't. Like there was, there was not enough colors. It would not have worked. So we actually managed to get them to break out of their mold to be able to go. I just, I, just, I wanted to throw that out there because we actually, we won some battles and that was one of them. So awesome. So you got this one uh, from D3, which means it's probably came from Color Brewer. Um, this was the not. This was the the original D3 with uh, before Color Brewer. Before Color Brewer. Nice. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, Color Brewer doesn't go above I think 12 color sets. Yeah, right. might be right about that. Right. So. Yeah, no, yeah. So, and 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 actually, the, and, two, at least, right. Anyway. And, and there's there's actually two different color palettes, um, pre pre color brewer in D3 that actually support 20, which is great. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The the twenty C. I remember those now. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I wonder how they chose those colors. Um, it's, it's, uh, the color picking is very difficult. I mean, we can get into to all of that sometime. Um, you know, it turns out that there are people that can choose colors almost better than, you know, you can get out of things like Color Brewer. I mean, Color Brewer is also, you know, chosen by Cynthia Brewer, right? So and Well, that's, and, that's... And, and also don't forget, Color Brewer was designed for maps. I mean, I mean, it works outside of maps, but it was really designed for maps. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Color is super interesting. I like Tableau's color palettes. Actually, I, I I'm not going to deny I, some of the stream graphs that I actually end up work like, producing for various things. Um, I gravitate towards using Tableau 20 right now. So yeah, there you go. There you it's go. a good one. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's see. So there aren't too many more unique charts in the report. So where should we go next? Well, I think you know the rest of the things in here are largely just bar charts. Well, like yeah. so, like Figure Thirty Six, I guess, would be one that would be interesting to hear okay. about. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm coming up. Small. But uh, you know, luckily it's a PDF, and we can zoom in quite quite well. That's true. So I, I do remember this one. It's uh, interesting that you have the uh, it's the so what are the glyphs down at the bottom? Let's say a, a rug plot showing the mm -hmm. frequency of events and where they fall on there. Gotcha. So it's always good to show you know. So these are just the raw events, right? So all of them. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it looks like there's some overplotting there. Is that true? Like, I mean, how many events are there? Are some of them potentially on top of each other? Or... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Bob, did you do anything special for that rug plot? Oh, not at all. Opacity or anything? Okay. Nope. You just did the GM rug. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, those are always interesting to show, right? So uh, you, you look at the rug plot at the bottom, and you, it's believable to see the, uh, you know, the... The, the kind of dips and everything. So yeah, well, the, the, this, this is actually I think the only one of only two places where we actually ended up using some form of density plot. And mm -hmm. the interesting thing about that is they're they're notoriously hard for people who aren't doing statistics to read. They're very they're notorious, and they're even hard for some people who do statistics for us to read as well too, um, if Russ is listening. Um, so so like this was another one where it's like you know, and I I know the reports had some density charts before too, but we really used them more and emphasized them more I think in this one than previous. Like they were mm -hmm. more first class citizens than just like in a sidebar. And that's that's something where like you know again it's not something folks are used to used to reading it's one more you know take a chance you know try putting this out there help help raise the the level of this awareness and, and help maybe people understand and use these things more too so yeah yeah so I, I think that people though would understand the rug plot I mean that's very intuitive you're just plotting the events right and right. Yeah. so people understand the rug plot I wonder, you know, if I were to to try something in terms of designing this sort of chart and introducing people to something new, is to start with something that they understand, and then to show, you know, okay, now we have a version of this chart with the, you know, density plotted here as well, uh, because nobody's going to complain about a rug plot. It's super, you know, intuitive right. to understand, and then you're building something on top of it. Cool. Um, but yeah, raising the bar. That's. Yeah, the code name for these charts. And I, I like the uh, the vertical lines here, essentially annotating the peaks. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 on the on the back side, I love how Bob figured out where the peaks were in there, and I, I think it's really nice, Bob, how you did that. So. And that was done in a data-driven way, right? So. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that 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 there was some fun math for, for that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. So and it's just it's interesting seeing the the two peaks in here. I think you know from just knowing what these are representing that these are the the size and the and the packets within denial of service attacks. That essentially we're seeing two probably two different styles of attack or two different uh, attackers perhaps or two different sophistication of attacks. Whatever it is, there's there's definitely two right. There's two patterns here because of the the two different peaks there. Right. So. And, it, and this is aggregated over many attacks, so it's not, I mean, two attackers, that sounds that sounds improbable, but could that be true? Right. Two classes of attackers, two probably. Classes. Two classes yeah, of attackers, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it could be, you know, sophisticated organized criminal units that have all sort of figured out how to do good denial of service, and then sort of the, the activists, you know, bored kids in the mom basement kind of attack kind of thing. 
I was I was thinking North Korea and China again, Jay, but I don't know what you're talking about anyway. It's all right. Yeah. yeah so whatever whatever you label them, there's there's probably two sort of distinct. Uh, there's two something, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great you know launching off point for somebody to investigate that further and figure out why that's actually there. So it's yeah. really great that you did all of that in the the report, and now you're giving people like you know a starting point to to engage further with this data and to really figure things out. I mean that's. Yeah. that's it's really great. I, I'm actually a little shocked that you didn't start with the cover, though. You know, I wanted to, so you you guys wanted to jump to the map. I, I had a question about the cover. So is the cover based on data in any way, or was this Absolutely. an artist thing? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, go, go Jay. Yeah, get, actually, Jay, I, I will cut you off at about an hour into whatever you're going to talk about here. So. <laughs> No, so this is, you know, last year we had a very data-driven cover. Last year's cover was another MDS. Mm-hmm. And um, and this year we were talking about what to do. And, Bob, you had, we threw out the idea of trying to do a, a theme of, like, a nostalgic rock album cover or something, you know, from, like, an old album or something. Yep. And, uh, you know, from, like, the 70s or something like that. So that got me thinking in that mode. And then um, we were talking about T-shirts, right? And then later this notion of a hero graphic came up. Have you ever heard that term, Lane, of a hero graphic? A hero graphic. I've right. heard the bootstrap thing, right? No, no, it's, it's nothing like that. It, 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 it's a web design thing, don't it? It's had yeah, nothing it's, to it's do with reality. Yeah. And they, they said they, they wanted a, a hero graphic. And what they meant is like one graphic that they can use as a hero in all of the marketing material. Mm. Right? And so, like, they, and then uh, we talked about printing up a t shirt from the cover. And uh-huh. so, these two things of like album cover and t shirt. And I was like, Joy Division, right? The Joy Division cover uh, that looks very similar to this. And that's what this is essentially take, took its cue from that Joy Division cover. I don't remember the name of the album, do you, Bob? Unknown Pleasures. Unknown Pleasures. So if mm. you just Google, uh, you know, Joy Division. Unknown I, I just gave him a link for it, too. It's oh. Yeah, yeah. So this is slightly before my time, I think. Okay. Um, but it is definitely familiar. So I've Good. seen these sort of, uh, I guess I would call them kind of like mountain plots, even though people yeah. use mountain plots for a lot of things. But Yeah. So, but, and what this is showing from that impact section, you know, where we've got that model where we, we estimate loss or, or insurance mm-hmm. claims from, from record count, we took the, the breaches that we had in our corpus of data where we had a known record count for the three types of data uh, that fit into that model. And that's what this is representing. So like on, on the very top, healthcare has these rather tall peaks mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. And these are the, the loss distribution. These are a density plot, essentially, of the losses across these industries. And really, I mean, there's, there's no labeling here. You can't really look at these and say like, oh, I can see this great insight from the data. I mean, really, it's pure art. Yeah. Um, but it is driven by the data, at least. Nice, nice. And actually, like... and, and again, all done in, I mean, like, I, I know we harp on R a lot, and I, I do more than Jay probably, but, like, this is, that was actually completely done in R with some minor touch-ups, honestly, with, with, with the folks in the graphics side. That's really impressive. I mean, <laughs> you guys are really the experts in R. Um, and, and, and this is a, a I mean, I feel like I, I want a, another page that kind of breaks this thing down if you do something like this in future reports. To you know, show that the the healthcare peak actually means something, and uh, you know, there's this kind of bump on health co- healthcare that's over at the side. I mean, that's that's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. 
And it was lucky because like when I first created this, I simply stacked it by the height of the peak. So healthcare Mm. is the tallest peak and then education is the second tallest peak and so on and so forth. And then I stacked it that way. And this is what it came out. And I, I tried a whole bunch of variations on how to stack it differently and they all looked horrible. And like that, I was just like dumb luck that I got that first one out there and it looked good like this, you know, so you nice. get some good stacking features. And stuff. You just got the one, did you have to play with the smoothing at all to? Not really. I mean, it's just a density plot. Oh, know? gotcha. And so that density had that natural curve in there. And then I had to extend out the data so that I could go out. So like the, the, cause it's a density plot, this zero is somewhere on the up curve you know, but you don't have a negative loss. You never have a negative loss. So, right. but the density plot will naturally do that and spread out the density and, and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah, the one thing nice about this one too, and I'm not sure you got the version with the cover challenge on it. I, I, I think I, I think I tried to have some level of integrity and, I, and, and not actually give you that version um, early on because we gave it to you pretty early. Uh, but the, this actually flows into the back cover. So if this was printed, it really the DBR was not really printed this year. It was mostly I, I all heard digital. I had some printed, printed copies at uh, the uh, headquarters. Oh yeah, I, boy, we're not giving them away to like everybody. I'm just trying to, I'm oh. trying to set, I'm trying to set expectations, Jay, that no one's getting a printed <laughs> copy anyway. Um, but for the most part, it's not. So for the most part, it's not printed. Um, the ones that are, are probably already taken up by people. But anyway, um, on the back cover, like this would flow direct, like come uniform onto the back cover, and we actually encoded this year. So I'm not sure if you know this, Lane, but every year we have a cover challenge where there's some kind of usually crypto-based challenge or you know some some something like that that we actually start a whole series of crypto and puzzles and stuff that kind of go on from there. And normally every year it's something that's encoded in text onto the actual, um, uh, in, into the back of the cover, same color as the, whatever the back is, so you, or transparent, so you have to actually, you know, de- you know like, use, uh, you know, c- select or copy or, you know, do a PDF to text to get what it is. This year, it's actually encoded into waveforms into the actual back that you have to do, so. So, like, they're, they're, like everything is data ab- ab- about the cover this year, including the cover challenge. Right. That's really cool. Wow. I want to do something like this in a paper now. I want to hit message with <laughs> my, my papers from now on in the figures. Nice. Nice. <laughs> That's really great. So has somebody solved it yet? Oh, yeah. Two, pe- two people solved it, actually. Well, actually, two, two, one team and one person solved it. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, so, I, I, Alex Pinto and David Suits were not good enough to solve it individually, yet we had one other person, oh, and I think you actually... Cool Oh, well, yeah, I mean, it took two of them to do it quickly, and then we had one other person, and I'm getting his name really quickly. Hang on. Do you do you have it handy, Jay, before I actually try to find it? Um, not real handy. Because um, since we mentioned Alex and David, uh, I want to mention the other Dark person. Structures on Twitter. Michael Oglesby. There you go. So, yeah, so, and those those guys all did it really pr- pretty quickly. Um, solving that, and actually, we, we we stumped people for a while for that for that particular first one because some some folks didn't take the obvious like what we thought was the obvious route pretty quickly, and it stumped them for longer than it probably would have otherwise. So, yeah, the obvious route, I'm not even sure. <laughs> when do you start? No, it's really great. I mean, that, it's awesome to see a report like this where you guys actually had fun and put something fun into it. I mean, rather than you know just. <laughs> crumbling under the pressure of the deadlines and and all of the data and, and that, that kind of thing. This is really great. Yeah. And we try to inject humor as well. If you if you take the time and read it, we tried to keep it somewhat lighthearted and put some humor in there. Yeah, I saw some of those one-liners. I'm not sure who's responsible, but 
More a bunch of us. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're, wait, me. Wait. I, I didn't put that many in. I'll That's well. That, that that is true. J J J J was J, yeah. He was more stoic in the report this year. <laughs> right. And partially, I think it was exhaustion, to be honest. But that yeah. that would be true yeah. too. Yeah. It's um, supposed to be uh, funny. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is really... Yeah. Just ask Kevin about that. It's really tough to be funny. Um, <laughs> you can ask me about that too. But <laughs> no, this is. I mean, honestly, this report uh, for for the Visec people who might be listening to this, because I'm sure I'll tweet this, and I have, I have a different community. I mean, this is a must read, right? The introduction of your 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 papers, your motivation for asking for money, and that sort of thing, and your core problems and. Uh, this is where you get it from, right? So straight from the horse's mouth and straight from the, the data that's actually rooted in real-world practice. I mean, this is this is fantastic to have all of this here. It's a, definitely a report that's, uh, you know, made for reflection um, and it will really get you to think and, you know, everybody's going to read it in a different way. I know I'm reading this and I'm thinking instantly about, you know, research problems and, uh, you know, ways that I can help practitioners more. And reading between the lines of this report, you can get that out of it. I'm sure somebody who works in the industry, they get something else out of it. Uh, so this is really a huge service to the community, you know, even beyond just your, your, your practitioner community. This is of interest to researchers for sure. Um, and so we want to make sure that they know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Talk as much about this as you possibly can. <laughs> Happy to. Happy to. All right. Well, I think I think we've hit everything. Was there anything else either you two wanted to cover in there? I think we got it. I mean, if we if we keep talking, we'll just be here all all night long. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll look through my notes and come up with something else to, to kind of harp on for a while. Uh, but yeah, this was super fun, guys. Yeah. Cool. I I appreciate you taking the I mean, I you are a very busy person. I know you've got some major projects going on right now. Um and you've been doing a lot of travel and doing a bunch of other things. So I appreciate the fact that you took time out out of your really busy schedule to do this. Seriously, thank you. Yeah. No, I, I think we should get more Viz people uh, in here later on and we we can make this like a, a yearly fun thing and see what you guys can come up with. We'll actually uh you know, get some some real mean people in here next time. Well, we, have to, we have to like really do good next year then, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, Lane, thank you so much for taking time. This has been such a, a great discussion, and hopefully the listeners got something out of it as well. So, but, but thank you so much for taking the time. No, thank you, guys. Well, thanks.